You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. And it's why we are in Proverbs right now. We are wanting wisdom. We are believing wisdom is available to us, that it is needed. It is not just an add-on to life, but godly wisdom is something that, that he, he has accessible, ready for us. And as we think about wisdom, I, I am confronted with elements of trust and peace and how we operate and how connected trust and peace really are. And today, really, the, 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 the idea that we're going to rally behind is peace through the noise. The series we're calling is Through the Noise, that there is just a lot of noise around us, a lot coming at us constantly, uh, not just in this season we're in right now, but always, but even more so right now, as we have just layers upon layers of complexity and issues that, that we're dealing with, and how do we find peace in the middle of that? I, I started off ministry when I was a younger, a younger man, when I first started in uh, full-time ministry, I was, a, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. And one of the things youth pastors always do, and it's not just strictly in youth ministries, but uh, we do trust falls. You ever do a trust fall? Like a trust fall is basically where you, you know, if I stood up here and I had a line of people on either side, they'd link arms, I would turn around and I would fall into their arms, right? That is a that, that, that's a kind of a staple in youth ministry world or team building world. It's, it's good. It helps you learn and grow with trusting and what it means to trust. Um, it can be fun. It can be terrifying. You got people who just absolutely won't do it. Uh, and something started happening like a few years ago. My kids would just say the word and then start falling. It was like a thing. Like you like, trust, and they, they would, they'd go, and if you were near them, you had to, you know, they would do it to each other. I would just let them fall if they were near me. Like, this is another lesson you need to learn in this one. But they, they would do it to each other, or friends around, they would go, trust, and, and they would just start, like, letting themselves go. And if the person was a good friend, they would catch. If not, you know, we'd see how committed they were to this game and how hard they were willing to fall. And I was thinking about it, I was like, man, that's actually more like life right there. That's actually more like reality. Because when it, when it comes time to trust, to really trust, especially to trust in God, like we don't get time to line everything up, get your friends together, hold hands, one, two, three, fall. Like that would be awesome if that's how life was, but that's really not how life is. We don't get the time to line everything up before we have to trust. Usually when it's time to trust, it's like you're tripping and falling and you scream out, trust, and you know, you're hoping there's someone there to catch you. And ultimately our desire and our need is for God to be there, to catch us. That's what God does for us. Because that's what life is like. I mean, trouble hits us, things that where we need to trust it, it hits us fast and it hits us unexpectedly and we need help. 
And God wants us to trust him fully. He wants us to trust him with everything because, look, when we fall, it's what? It's confusing, it's threatening, and we need the wisdom of God to help us process all of that. Right now, we're all being forced to trust in a whole new way. And the, the challenge is to, to know where to put that trust. We need wisdom. We need wisdom to help us because honestly, that's, that's, gonna, that's the only way we're going to get the thing that we actually really want. The thing that we really want, the thing that we really need is peace. And that's what we're going to unpack today. What we need is peace. I mean, don't, don't you want peace? Aren't you looking for peace? It doesn't take much to, to turn on the TV or turn on your social media feed or read the newspaper or whatever outlet you use to get information. As you soak in that information, if you're like me, you just go, man, we, we need to figure this out and and we need peace because everything I'm looking at, everything I'm reading, all it's doing is creating anxiety and turmoil within me, the opposite of peace. See, here's the thing. When you think of peace, are you thinking immediately of conflict or the absence of conflict, no conflict. See, that's typically where we go. Like peace means I just don't want to fight. I just want to keep the peace. But that's not, that's really not what peace is. Peace is much bigger. Peace, when we think of peace as, as the Bible would define it as what we really need, peace is union with God. It is connectivity to God, relationship with God at the deepest level. That's peace. And once we have that peace, it then filters into the world around us, into our relationships, into our churches, into our cities. And I know that it is hard right now to have peace. The noise is loud. The noise is constant. It's nonstop. We're, we're fighting. We're battling. There's conflict on every front. We're, we're fighting a, a, a virus. We're fighting one another. We're fighting systems. We're fighting ourselves. We're fighting internal issues that we all are dealing with that are, that are coming to the surface, probably in a much more heightened way than ever before because we've been locked up. We've been locked away for, so, for what seems like so long and it's just, life is just not as we know it and it creates things in us that get ugly. And so God gives us, he gives us a way through the noise and a way to find peace through the noise. And it's in, it's in this passage, it's in this passage that Michelle read for us. This is a very famous passage. One of the most popular Proverbs, scriptures, probably in all the Bible. And these eight verses in chapter three, they are, they're a pathway to get us the thing that we really want and what we need, and that's peace. In verses one and two, look, he says, my son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and say with me, peace 
they will add to you peace, peace, peace. That word peace, I mean, I know years of life is good, right? We, we, we like that as well. But peace is so important. That word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And this is a, this is a very important word for all of us, but it's a very special word to us here at New Covenant because this is rooted in our vision. This is, this is the foundation to what we are, feel like God is calling us to. It's that word wholeness comprehensive peace. It's not just there's no conflict. No, it is a comprehensive shalom. It is peace that, that infiltrates every area of life. And this, is a, it, it, this passage is actually a, a perfect example of how Proverbs work, right? I've been trying to talk about this each week on how, how Proverbs is supposed to be handled, uh, that, that Proverbs is more about principles, not promises. And you're like, well, it sounds like a promise. Well, yeah, it has that feel to it, but it's really, it's, it's meant to be this principle that we look at and try to understand. Think of it as a coach, as a counselor, as coaches and counselors, they come and they give insight and wisdom. If you do this, this is what you can expect. It's not a hard and fast rule. If, if you do this, then this will absolutely 100% happen. No, but it's meant to be this counsel with incentive. Counsel and incentives. If you do this, this is what you can expect. And we see this all over Proverbs. It's not do this because I say so. It's not just hard and fast rules that you need to live by and and. and Thus says the Lord, and if you don't do this, no, it's been, I am telling you this because this is what's best for you. This is what's best for you. If you do this, you you're, do this because I love you and I want what's absolutely best for you. This is what will help you, what will bring you life, what will bring you peace, wholeness. I mean, look how God addresses us. Again, this is all part of the theme of today. He addresses us as what? As, as he says, my son. Again, it's not just meant for the men. <laughs> this is for all of us. This is children. He says, my son. He's, he's, he's saying, my children. And so what we are saying, what we need to look at this and say is, well, what's dad saying? What's dad saying to us? He's going, look, I'm speaking to you as a dad. I love you. I love you. This is really important. You need to pay attention to me. Because look, if <laughs> he's saying, I, I know you're going to pay attention to something. That you are paying attention to lots of things, but only my teaching is going to bring you the shalom, the peace, the wholeness that you need. And so here's what we need to hear and, and to consider for our life. In all the noise, in the middle of all the noise, what are you listening to? Mostly, what are you listening to? What's not just what are you hearing? What are you believing? What are you soaking in and listening to that's shaping your life? And then ask this question, is it working? Is it bringing you peace? Wholeness, shalom. There's a lot calling out for your attention, and most of it, most of it, most of it will not give you peace. Actually, what it will do is will rob peace from you. 
And I think we are feeling it, right? I, I, we're soaked in so much of other people's opinions and terrible things that are just happening all over on every front. And we, if that's all we're listening to, if that's what we're listening to mostly, it will rob us of the very thing that God is wanting to give to us. See, verse one says, keep my commandments. He says, keep my commandments. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. See, when he says, keep my commandments, he doesn't mean just obey them. That's not it. That's not what that word is. It means guard. So we could change it around and say, let, let, let your heart guard my commandments. So your heart functions like a, like a security system. It's, it's guarding. It's guarding your, your life, your being, your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being. And he's saying, let your heart, don't just let anything come in. Because guess what? There's going to be a lot of things calling out to you that, that want to rob you of joy, of peace, of length of days and years of life and wholeness. It wants to come in and steal it from you. And the Bible calls those things, there's a special word for those things, the Bible calls them idols. The things that want to come in, that promise you all the good stuff, they're idols because they promise all of that, they want everything and they give you nothing. And if you obey those idols, if you obey them, if you obey those voices, you will be disappointed. And if you don't obey them, those idols punish you. And the scary thing is, is that our hearts produce them. We constantly are looking for something that's going to give us that peace, give us that hope. And I've talked about this before other sermons, other days. If you fill in the blank here with this sentence, if I only had, mm, then I'd have peace. And immediately, I bet things are flowing through your minds. It's going, yep, I know. And intellectually, right? We're all here at church. So if I said, what is it? And you'd be like, it's Jesus. I get it. If only I had Christ. But that, that's intellectual, but when, when it gets down to the, the hard stuff of life where we are figuring out how to navigate the world's craziness and all of our own craziness, and we're going, if I only had a little more money, another job, a better wife, a wife, a husband, if I only had health, if I only had respect, if I only was seen as this or that. I mean, we could just go on and on and on filling this out, trying to figure out what is going to bring life to us. We, we start to see it. And you know what? None of those things I mentioned, none, none of them are necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they won't do what they promised. They won't bring you peace. I've said this over and over again as much. I have a, I have a wonderful marriage. We're going to be married 20 years in August. It's a mind-blowing 
number. Uh, it just doesn't seem possible, but we've been married that long, and both of us would say there's a temptation for either of us to put the other person's name into that. If, my, if, if I only had Nikki, then I'd have peace. And as wonderful as she is, if that is my source of hope and peace and wholeness, it will not work. And that's the that's the best example. Like, that's the one who would probably give me the most out of life. Think of all the lower things that we try to put in there. If I only had. Maybe for a minute, they'll bring what you want, but then it's back to anxiety, to restlessness, to fear, to all the things that are robbing joy from us. And so, yeah, Christ needs to be in that blank, right? That's the point. If I only had Christ, then I would have peace. That's the only way we will get peace. That is the only way that we will move forward in our spiritual life and in the physical world and emotional, like that is it. And, you're, and, and I know the temptation in us is to go, yeah, but... Christ doesn't pay the bills. <laughs> Look at all the terrible things that are happening around us that, 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 that God is letting happen. I want more than him. I want more than what he is giving me right now. And it just starts to reveal the things in our lives. And he is saying, look, no, 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 no. I, I, I get it. Bad things happen. It is difficult. This life will bring trouble, but I am the answer. You need to put your hope in me. This is where it's at. He is the center because anything else that we put in that center will fail us. It will rob us. It becomes our God. It becomes what we work for. And then we are literally trying to, if it's career, if I only had more, more work, more money, more job, if that's it, then we are just working for our salvation. We are just working to have the, the life that we think we deserve rather than the life that God has given us. If you think your family is going to bring that kind of wholeness, that kind of peace, the moment your child runs in a rebellious way in the house, out of the house, it doesn't matter how old or young they are, you will be broken because your whole life was wrapped up in that success and then it's gone. If our wholeness is not defined in Christ, through Christ, then we will we'll be hopeless. See, and that's it. That's our hope. This, this is the battle that we are in every single day, the battle for our heart, the battle for that peace, that wholeness, that shalom. He says it in verses three and four, Look what he says. He says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Look, that's our hope. That's what we're counting on. This is it. God's unwavering faithfulness and love. 
God's unwavering love and faithfulness. And that, that actually is a picture of God himself. If, if you ever look back into the book of Exodus where God has this confrontation, this encounter with Moses, Moses, he, he says, I want to know who you are. And God says, look, I can't show you everything about me, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you who I am and I'm going to hide it, hide my glory from you. It's this amazing encounter. And God says, uh, he, he says, I, I'm the Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in the same thing, steadfast love and faithfulness. This isn't just a piece of God. This is God himself. And in a world that is so inconsistent, in a world that is so full of wavering and lovelessness, things that look like love, but they're not love, God says, I'm it. This is who I am, and this is what I offer you. And so hope in me. Let your hope sit in who I am, and then let that change you. Let that impact everything about you. But here's, here's part of the problem, okay? We, we don't want to change. Intellectually, we want to change. but we don't want to change. We have a hard time accepting change, wanting change, living with change. Growth, change, they, they often hurt. And we get set in our ways. We get set in the way that we like things to be done. And I'm going to tell you, at the foundation of our inability to change and grow is our understanding of God and our understanding of who he is. Our understanding of faith and religion in this modern 21st century American church, we have trouble here because we don't just want to think about God based on who he is. This is what he's telling us. He's saying, let this be the character of how you, the characteristic of how you relate to me. Understand who I am, and then let that be a part of you. We want not to understand God based on who He is, but what He can do for me. That's how we 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 just we all are there. I'm there, often. Our faith system, it doesn't focus on who God is, but what he can do for me. He's not the center. We become the center. And so look, the idea that God created us in his image is one of the most beautiful images in all of, of scripture. He formed us in his image. We are his special creation. It's everything we were singing about today. And then what we do is we're like, yeah, that's nice, but actually I want you to be made more in my image. I want, I want to change who you are. I want you to fit into my mold. So I don't ever want to have to adjust and change and, and repent. I need you to fit into my system. And I know that we don't say those words, but it's how we live. Listen, if you're never uncomfortable by who God is and what he demands of your life, you may not be serving the God of the Bible. If you're never challenged with God, if you're never challenged with what he says what he says to do, 
that you've created something, something different, something new. See, but he, he, he is the God of steadfast love and faithfulness. See, that defines him. And then what? That should define us. <laughs> he says, bind them around your neck. What does that mean? If you're binding something around your neck, yeah, it's, of course, it's close, it's personal, it's part of you, but what else? It's public. It's visible. If you had something bound around your neck like a real thick, gaudy chain, it's visible. It says something about who you are and about what you're, what you're about. It's a defining mark. It's similar to what Jesus said when he said, people are going to know that you're my disciples by what? By how you love. That is huge. And so this is the question. Is that what people are seeing in you? Is that what people are seeing in you? What are you binding around your neck? Steadfast love and faithfulness. And as a whole, I, I would say, I, I don't think that's what people are seeing around us. I think they're seeing a lot of external things. I think they're seeing a lot of crosses. I think they're seeing a lot of, of branding. I think they're seeing a lot of tattoos, a lot of bumper stickers, a lot of t-shirts, a lot of creativity, but not steadfast love and faithfulness. And we, that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable to God. It's unacceptable. It should be unacceptable for us. And it should challenge us every day as we wake up and saying, what am I binding around my neck? Is it going to be steadfast love and faithfulness? Or is it going to be whatever the wrong thing that we're putting in that blank? We are binding around our necks weak, unhelpful idols that are more visible to the world around us than the God that we serve, who is steadfast love and faithfulness. And this isn't meant to be like, you know, can get you. No, this is who we are. This is the problem in our hearts and our lives. And that's why we run to the Father again and again and again and again. And you're like, if I hear the word again in that song one more time, I'm going to, you know, go crazy. But that's the whole point. It's like we run back to our God again and again because every day, again and again, we wake up and we are tempted to trust in something else for our peace, for our hope, for our salvation. And so, yeah, we sing and say repetitive things sometimes because that's who we are. That's who I am. I can't tell you how many other things I want to put in that blank every single day. If I only had more money, if I only had more respect, if I only had more, I mean, more, more, more. That's what we default to. And God is saying, I have all of it. And often, instead of being known as someone who is steadfast love and faithfulness, there are other things that become more important to me. And so again and again, I go back to the Father and say, help, help, help. So how do we get, how do we get there? How do we get to this place where we 
through the noise, can find peace, can, can, can bind around our necks steadfast love and faithfulness. Where, where do we go? What do we do? How do we get to that point? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up as we start to finish. I think we find it right there in what we do know as one of the most famous passages in this text, passages in all the scripture in verse five. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. This is an amazing scripture for us and it's the, it's the answer. It's how we get there. You will only find peace you will only find wholeness when you only trust him. It's what he's calling for. Wholeness comes from whole trust, wholehearted trust. That's what it says. With all your heart, you trust in the Lord. And so what does that look like for us? And this is just some of the practical things I hope to, to help you know, stick in your mind a little bit as, as we finish. Wholehearted trust leans on God in his word, learns from God in his word, and lives for God in his word. And you can simply, leans on him, learns from him, lives for him. And real quick, just want to leave these little nuggets with you. Look what he says. says we do not lean on your own understanding. I mean, that, that, that's a whole sermon in and of itself. You want to find wholehearted trust in God? You want peace? Don't lean on your own understanding. We are so quick to trust our own gut and understanding and the way that we see things. No one sometimes can get through. No one has access to say, hey, you might be seeing it wrong. It, it, we lean on that, just like I will lean on this table and trust that it's gonna hold my body. Or if I say trust and someone's next to me, that they're gonna catch me, I mean, leaning means you put your whole weight, not on your understanding, but on him. What are you leaning on? What are you leaning on? Is it, is it our government? Is it your political party? Your sociological ideals? Is it your family? culture, your bank account, right? We go on and on and on and on because all those things we tend to lean on at one point or another. Do not lean on your own understanding. Look, Leaning on God means you don't just agree with what he says, but you obey what he says. It, it means letting God overrule your way of thinking. When you hit something in scripture, something in God's word that, that is different than your current perspective, <laughs> this is that moment of truth where you can say, eh, God, come on, just fit in, fit into what I want. Or you go, oh shoot, man, I gotta change. 
I got, I got, to, I got to think differently. Are you constantly looking through the Bible for excuses for the way that you're living? I'm going to tell you what. I'm seeing Christians mean, unloving, name-calling. Uh, it's hard. And it's not a judgment like I'm perfect at all or don't have that in me. I just, I probably do it more under the table. Um, look, if you, if you bear the name of Christ, you are held in grace but you're held to carry that name. And I understand you have conviction, you have beliefs. The Bible does not, God does not give us room for some of the behavior that we're seeing right now. And we need God to come in. We need to not lean on our own understanding. We need to go to him. We need to change, repent, yield to who he says that we are. Leaning on God means that you let him challenge everything, the way that you live, the way that you think, and the way that you feel. And not only do we lean on that, but we learn from him. We learn in that. That's what he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. So if you can acknowledge him as you are engaging in an activity that is directly contrary to what he says in his word, it's a challenge. Acknowledging him literally means know him. It means know him in all your ways, in everything that you do, in all your ways. Know him, learn him, get him in you, bind him around your neck. It says it over and over again in different ways because we are constantly drifting away. And he says it later on in this passage. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. Don't trust yourself. Look, he's saying self-assurance is only going to get you into trouble. You need to not just trust who you are and what you believe, but you need to put everything on the table always and say, does this line up with who God is? And how do I then line up with it? Acknowledging him means acknowledging that you don't know it all and that he is going to shape it. Learn that you have blind spots. Learn that you need help in knowing God and acknowledging him. Learn that somewhere in your life, there's a crooked path that needs straightening. That's what God will do. Peace comes through knowing that he will straighten your path, that you don't have to straighten it and you don't have to straighten everybody else's path out either. Finally, we, we live for God. It's all the same. It's just different ways of saying it. Look what he says. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I mean, that, that's it right there. You want two priorities in your life? God gives it. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fear the, you want to wake up tomorrow and go, what do I do today? 
Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. Trust in him. Wholehearted trust will change the way that you live. And that life will bring that shalom. It will bring that wholeness for us and for the world around us. And that is what we need. Peace. We want peace. We want change. We want growth. And look at the promise. I know I said it's principles, not promise. Let's just call it a promise for a second. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment. Oh man, you want healing? You want refreshment? Let God shape and radically blow up your life, everything. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. This is the invitation now and every day. Trust wholehearted and God's peace will enter your life and it will overflow from you into your business, into your church, into your neighborhood, into your city, into your state. That's what we need. Let's pray. God, bring your peace to our land. There's so many hurting, confused, broken. Help us to trust you with all our heart, to lean on you, to acknowledge you. And God, would you straighten our paths? Would you bring healing and refreshment to our bones? The call is there to trust you. Help us to trust you, God, and to find wholeness in that. Lord, for those who don't know you, and if they happen to be watching this or in this room, that they would turn to you now and say, God, I need you. You're the only way to make sense of the craziness of the world that we are in. And I know there are no easy answers, but God, you are, you are faithful in the middle of all of this. And I pray that we would turn to you for those that don't know you, that they would put their trust in you for the first time, for the forgiveness of their sins because of the, the cross that you put your son on to shed the blood for us, that there would be belief and faith in you. And for those of us that do already consider ourselves Christian, that bear the name of Christ, that we would, we would leave this place. We would turn off our computers, our phones, whatever it is. We would exit this service and be so different. And that when we leave, we would see things differently. When we wake up tomorrow, our first words would be, God, help me to turn to you and turn away from evil, to trust you and it would impact the way we live every moment of our day. That we would lean on you, learn from you, and live for you in a whole new way, God. We love you, God. We pray in Christ's name.